Previously on the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. The, the, the fit to me, and like Mike McCarthy is a fit. In, he sure is. He's a fit in Cleveland. He's a fit with the Giants. He's a fit with the Panthers. And he's a fit with the Dallas Cowboys. why the Browns shouldn't have let him get away. Because oh, if you're I mean, highly desired by a bunch of franchises, what does that tell you? Well, you're I just good, think you're good at what you do. I mean, I think Josh, you know, I Josh, it's time for him to break McDaniels. And Josh wasn't awful in Denver, but I do believe, like Bilicek, he can be one of those guys. That he better becomes, be. If he's uh, not one of those guys, he's then, it. Uh, I, I mean, what else are you going to do? Urban Meyer be all right with me, but uh, I don't I think don't, Urban's going that direction. Do I don't either. I mean, the I think the Browns would have out. a hard time selling it. I mean, it's Urban Meyer, so you don't have a hard time selling. The other it. guy to keep your eye on too is Eric Bieniemy. Yes. Uh, good morning. It is a Wednesday edition of the Spielman and Hooley We Tackle Life podcast. Kevin I'm, Stefanski. I'm Bruce Hooley. He's Chris Spielman. That's my question right out of the top with Mike McCarthy, now the Dallas Cowboys head coach, not interested in the Browns. Um, you think the Browns are waiting on Kevin Stefanski? He's no, their, I think he's on their inter- initial they're, list. They're going to interview guys, and I know Josh is. Uh, Kevin's interviewing on Thursday. Josh is interviewing on Friday. I think they'll make up their mind over the weekend, but I doubt that they will hire a guy if a team is still playing. I mean, they might have a deal yeah. set in place, but yeah. I don't think there'll be an announcement if a team is still playing. And and. One interesting thing about Kevin Stefanski, if they hire Kevin Stefanski. OC Minnesota Vikings. You know who could come back and be the OC? Think of the connection. If you want details, you're going to have to find it on Twitter. Exactly. There That'd be Pat Shermer, uh, ladies and gentlemen, because of their <laughs> relationship. Wouldn't you know, that be great? Okay, you know, in my uh, fantasy life, I am the director of dysfunction prevention for the Cleveland Browns. Right. You can relay this to your acquaintance or friend or whatever Kevin Stefanski through your brother Rick don't do that Kevin well, first Stefanski. of all don't Pat- do that don't okay. do that don't bring Pat Shermer Why? back because if you want details you're gonna have to find it on Twitter he's, that. He, he's not That's the head why. coach he's the offensive it matter. coach it does matter no why, why, why doesn't it matter because to you? when Joe Banner came back he brought back Mike Lombardi and people were like ah they hated it from the beginning. Who cares? Do you what put any think? value on winning a press conference? Any value? No. Any? Zero. Okay, I do. I, I put, put a little bit with the Browns fans. Who, hey, hey, let me fresh memory. All right. Calendar of dysfunction. Let me. Ask Does you a any question. fan base hold on to past dysfunction like a pit bull holds on to a chew toy better than the? Cleveland That's why Rams? I don't put any value on winning a press conference oh. with Cleveland Browns fans because a mute could win a press conference with Cleveland yeah. Browns fans. I'm going to put that on. I'm going to put that. If you want details, you're going to have to find it on Twitter. Today, in a Twitter poll, and Friday when we do this, I'm going to say, as Browns fans, if the choice is Kevin Stefanski, do you want him to hire Pat Shermer as your offensive coordinator, yes or no? And I'm going to make a guess. It'll be 80% no. So Marv Levy said when you start listening to fans, you start sitting with the fans. That's true. So you'll be sitting with the fans because, (laughs) contrary to popular belief, Kevin Stefanski will not make an emotional hire. You're talking about making yeah. an emotional hire. Yes. I'm talking about making a logical hire and a hire that the guy has proven over and over and over, whether it's been with the Rams, whether it's been with the Eagles under Andy Reid, whether it was the 2017 team where he his offense, led by Case Keenum, went to the NFC Championship okay. game. The guy can coach offense. Okay. He might not be a successful head coach. I'm not asking him to be a head coach. 
I'm asking him to build an offense, which he's proven to do over and over and over. Let's attack it from a football perspective, okay? Beautiful. Um, he comes to Cleveland, the number one job of the Browns franchise and of the new head coach is to get the most out of Baker Mayfield. Do you agree? He is their yeah. number one asset. Absolutely. Okay, so Pat Shermer with the Rams, I will admit, did a very good job. His quarterback is Sam Bradford. Would you agree with me that Sam Bradford, personality-wise, is nothing like Baker Mayfield? I agree with you on okay. that. Okay. On the Eagles, refresh my memory, his quarterback was? was Sam Bradford. Okay. Uh, and with the Rams, his quarterback would, well, his Rams was Bradford. Yeah. So I'm trying to think, has he dealt with, let's just cut to the chase of my question, is has he dealt with a strong personality quarterback, a bullheaded, wrongheaded, I will say. I'm not defending Baker Mayfield. I'm just saying his personality is his personality. Do you find that fit of personalities? Pat Shermer, who's low-key, I don't know how he is in the room. Uh, I don't know how he is in the room. But, yeah. but but he comes across publicly as he comes across publicly as That's how he comes yeah, across. Well that to you he does. He comes across to everyone. No, not to me. He comes across as a straight football guy that's not interested in everything else outside of him, but but I only football. Play, I only played one. Pat it's Sherman. one. I have. 20. I don't care about the press conferences. I don't care how he answers see questions. If I can find all. What, but let me ask gold. you a question. No, yes. seriously. Why? Yes. Why are we going to hire a guy that's clever in how he answers questions in a press conference? How how smart he is in answering a press conference. And by the way, yeah. if we're going to have a newsletter, have the courtesy to spell my name right. What? I got your name wrong. Where? Where? <laughs> oh, that's just in the header. That's not. That's, okay, uh, well, sorry I, about that. I, I, well, I just happened to. Yeah, I see that too. I, I'm, I'm, I'm just interested done. in details. That's my fingers. <laughs> you know, I got back in that old <laughs> 1460 the fan <laughs> angry email mode, and my fingers got ahead of me. Because I do know how to spell your name. See, trust me, I do know how to spell yeah. it. It's spelled right in the book. <laughs> Thanks, you editors. Uh, well, I'll, apparently, I've just promoted myself to editor of yes. the Spielman and Uli well, podcast. I think that's a good newsletter. role for you. I think it's a good role for you. <laughs> so, my, I guess this look. I get people, uh, they make emotional decisions. I'm, I'm purely talking from a practical point of view mm-hmm. where Kevin Stefanski and Pat Shermer think uh, alike. You want to have that type of relationship with your head coach. A head coach has to trust an offensive coordinator and run something that he believes in. So my theory is not based off of emotion or what people are going to think. My theory is what's going to give me the best chance to succeed. For example... If I had the opportunity to be a head coach right now, mm-hmm. that would be the first guy that I would go to Pat. to run my offense. Really? Okay. Yes, because I know how good he is. I know how well-respected he is around the league. Maybe not as a head coach because as a head coach, he's clearly yeah. failed. He's won 7-29 seven and seven and or 6-29 and as a head coach. Yeah, it's not bad. I, I mean, that's his record. His record is that. As an offensive coordinator – he gets a lot out of the people that play, and there's his offense is physical, his offense is run the ball, and his quarterbacks play well. I mean, he took a rookie quarterback, and, from, and Daniel Jones out of Duke this year replaced Eli Manning, yeah. and Daniel Jones had an, a record-breaking rookie year. I mean, people don't – because the defense was so bad and Saquon was hurt – they don't understand the, – they don't look at the numbers outside of New York of what Daniel Jones was able to do this year. Uh, it does feel to me like 
This the stars are lining up though for Josh McDaniels to the Browns uh, because Mike McCarthy went to the Cowboys because Ron Rivera went to the Redskins. Uh, the Giants made a surprising hire yesterday. They did the stealth bomber hire of that guy, the Joe wide, Judge, the uh, uh, special teams or wide receiver uh, guy with the. He he Patriots. had the wide receiver coaching title, but his main goal was special teams. He got the job based on one thing only is that Bill Belichick called the Giants, said, this mm-hmm. is your guy. Wow. There's a great relationship with Bill Belichick, and he has they the Giants family, the Mara family, has a fondness for Bill Belichick. He calls and says, look, I, you know, I'd hate to let him go, but this is a guy that needs to go. If he did not get this job, he was going to take the head coaching job down at Mississippi State. Okay. That job came open. Okay, yeah. So Good. then we come to this um, theory. Special teams coaches, can they be head coaches? Uh, let's just go down to Baltimore and take a look at the success yeah, he's doing okay. of John Harbaugh. And before John Harbaugh got the job, Andy Reid in Philly made John Harbaugh for one year, along with his special teams duties mm-hmm. and coordinator, made him a defensive back coach just to say that he had a position. Special teams guys assess every position on a team. Special teams coaches are often the ones that head coaches most consult during a game. Uh, They're used to handling uh, every player on the team. They evaluate every player on the team. And so I don't know Joe Judge. I don't know a lot of his work. I don't follow the New England special teams. I do think, though, that if Bill Belichick is making an endorsement, and I think one that is wasn't he wasn't asked to make, but uh, called on his own behalf, and and because of his feelings for the Giants and the Mara family, uh, I think Joe Judge got that opportunity because of uh, Bill Belichick. Now he's not the Giants' first choice. The Giants' first choice was Matt Rule. Matt Rule got seven or six. Seven million dollars a year, or something like I that. I think it's actually more than eight. Yeah, I did the math it, last night when I saw it on the crawl. It looks to me like it's right at yeah, eight. Yeah, so what? So that's it's Carolina you know, Panthers. Yeah. The guy's a billionaire. And he wants eight million. Matt Rule wanted. Which, by the, the way, that's what that's I've been told. That's what he was making at Baylor. Same you can't money. hide money. You can't hide oil money. That's for sure. I, I I'm anxious to watch him work because. Uh, he must be a rock star, given how much people want him. And and I will say this: I've never, uh, I've seldom dealt with a coach who gets as rave reviews uh, from acquaintances of mine who know Matt Rule, and from guys who covered him as a player in college and yeah. and as an assistant coach. And very seldom are are guys popular with the people in their profession and the people who are in the media world. And he is. And I'll say, I saw him yesterday outside what it looked like outside his house in Waco talking to the reporters about leaving Baylor. And I love the fact that he didn't hide, that he just came out and he said, yeah, I, I texted my players. I told them I was going to interview. I told oh, them actually, why I was leaving. He had held a meeting, yeah, a personal meeting with the players, not not just a text. Yeah, I like how he does that. You know, I just, I just thought the way he owned it and said, yeah, I feel bad. It's just opportunity of a lifetime. Nobody, did, nobody well, should feel bad for a guy taking – uh, a job that's a dream job. I, I covered Matt one time in college. I sat with him in a meeting. Uh, I actually spoke to him. It was interesting. It was the Temple-Houston game where Greg Ward was the quarterback, mm-hmm. Tom Herman. Mm-hmm. It was that championship game. And for whatever reason, we were waiting to leave outside, and we were delayed, and we were parked by the Temple buses. And Matt came up, and he came up to me. And the first time this ever happened to me, uh, What'd you think? 
where do we need to get better? He's the Would head you, coach at Temple. Yeah, time. he's the head coach at Temple. And I was just, like, humbled, first of all, that the guy actually cared to what I actually yeah. thought, which was, you know, it was humbling for me and very cool. And I gave him some thoughts. And I got, you know, I talked to him before the game. I, I really, like everybody else, you come away with impressed with his presence, I guess. Yeah, charisma. You know, yeah. be, there's just, there's Engagement. something. When I talk to coaches, there's sometimes you talk to coaches and you walk out of that room and you say, this guy gets it. There's other times when you talk to coaches where this guy is so full of it that, you know, I've, I remember I started, uh, we do these calls or meetings, as you know, Bruce, maybe the, the listeners don't know, every single week. Mm -hmm. And I'll ask one question, and depending on the answer, I'll shut it down. Because yeah. I'm not, I'm, and I've actually said, look, coach, uh, in all due respect, I'm not going to waste your time. And you're not going to waste my time. So good luck on Sunday. We'll see you. I assume that is because you can tell whether they're truly engaged in the endeavor you're engaged in at the moment. Well, whether they're just blowing you off or no, they're going to give you coach speak or they're just they they're not into it. Yeah, it's more like look, you know, I don't want to waste. It, really, it's I think it's a courtesy from me to, to them, them yeah. not to waste your time. Yeah. It it's it's that simple, and but it rarely happens in the NFL. It rarely happens in the NFL because these guys really respect the job that we're trying to do. Fair to say they're not as paranoid as college oh my coaches. gosh, yes. Because I don't even know what it, there's to be paranoid because I don't have any more access to anything. Well, you're that, Rick Spielman's and, brother, you know. Well, I'll, I'm going to go back paranoid. into that because I think it's important to know. <laughs> but here, the but that was a, a different issue. But to me, um, I can tell, though, even if I, Shannon starts asking a question or Brenneman starts asking a question, I can tell how this guy answers if he's genuine. Like, Doug Peterson is as, as upfront and as honest head coach of the Philadelphia Eagles, by the way, who wasn't the Eagles' first choice, by the way, and yeah, look what right, he did. That's right, so, that's right. So there's hope for Browns fans. But most of these guys are as genuine as they get, man, and as honest. Look, guy's not playing guy. well. He's struggling. This guy's playing well. Um, you know, the other thing that, and it's, it, a lot of it depends on you and I though, the guy that asking the questions, like, like the one thing I asked Doug Peterson, tell me about Mike Groh, his offensive coordinator, because you know, the, you know, the story of the Eagles this year decimated. Nobody's healthy. I mean, I mean, they're playing yeah. with guys that were signed off the street yeah. and they make the playoffs and go on a three game winning streak at the end of the season to win a division. Mm -hmm. And it was Doug Peterson and Mike Rowe and that whole staff, uh, to me, was just amazing. And so he went into details about how they were drawing up plays and, and switching the offense and hmm. and what an asset Mike Rowe was. And Mike Rowe in Philadelphia is like most wanted poster because the offense was struggling at <laughs> time. So not blaming that Super Bowl winning head coach on it. They're blaming Mike Rowe. And so it was a chance for Doug Peterson to say what an asset Mike Yeah, and I'm sure been. he appreciated that. Yeah, so that I mean that's how you ask questions, but that's that's another thing. Jim Schwartz is going to be interviewing for the defense Cleveland Browns. In Philadelphia. Yeah, yes. and Jim Schwartz actually did a decent job. I thought they let go of him just a tad early in Detroit. Mm -hmm. Remember, he was the one that took over the 0 and 16 team. Marty Morning. For, for, yeah. No, I thought it was Rod Marinelli. Was it Rod Marinelli? Okay. But you know, no, I, I, just, okay. I thought I, it was Marty. Okay. But you'd know you're the Lions guy. <laughs> I'm not contending that I'm right. Just ask the Lions. Right. I'm on the payroll, you know. Oh, yes, yeah. I've heard. Yes. 
<laughs> all the Lions fans on The Twitter. only thing with Jim, uh, to me, is what really upset me, not upset me, just like frustrates me, is that, did you watch the Seahawks-Eagles game? Or if you didn't see it, you didn't I see did it. I did watch some did of it. Did you see the yeah. highlights at all? Did you see the last play on third and long or fourth and long or third and long? You mean the play where McCown DK, got... No, I'm talking about Russell Wilson. It, it's third and long. Jim oh, yeah, Schwartz threw put it up Marcus Epps, Moon, who's a Metcalf, yeah. uh, a backup safety, one-on-one yeah. Yeah, in the slot, yeah. with DK Metcalf. Why would you put your guy in that position? Well, is that offensive scheme? They put Metcalf where the Eagles were It doesn't matter. He him. had zero coverage. You, yeah. you could still understand they've gone to Metcalf the whole game. Yeah. Why would you put a guy that's a safety that's not played a lot yeah, on the guy that they've gone to the whole game with no help? He had zero coverage, literally yes, and figuratively. Yes, so I guess man that, to man, no you know, help. but 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 Schwartz is an interesting guy. Um, I like him. Some people would say that he's cocky and arrogant. I say that he's confident, and I like the guy. And it would be uh, he'd be a treat in press conference. But he would he, be. Yes, I'm all for him. He's very honest in I'm press all conferences. For him. He's you know? almost Jim. But Moore he, he he will tell you when you're wrong or that you don't know anything. Yes. So, I, but I welcome that. Yeah, so, I love it. That's, why that's you another guy buddies. to keep your eye. Yeah. <laughs> um, I interrupted you in the open. You were going to say something about Eric Bieniemy. How well thought of Eric Bieniemy, the Kansas City Chiefs uh, offensive coordinator, former. Great Colorado running back is yeah, among NFL actually, coaches. And uh, I look, I've actually talked to Eric, and I did a game in Kansas City, and he's one of those guys that you walk away from. Wow, that guy gets it. Mm-hmm. You know, Eric uh, interviewed for jobs last year. Actually, went to some type of training to interview for jobs again this year. It's just a matter of time before he gets a head coaching position, and you can't argue with the success of Andy Reid as a head coach, correct? True, yes. And Andy Reid, I don't think, is wants to give up guys that he loves having on his staff. But he has a ringing endorsement for Eric Bieniemy, and I don't know if he's going to get the Browns job. That's the only one left. But we'll see if uh, that comes. And I, I just, uh, you know, there's so much competition. The other thing is by hopefully the Browns will make a decision because you know what's getting eaten up right now is assistant coaches. Like Matt Rule's going to get his yeah, top assistant coaches. You know, Jim Tomasula, the former head coach of the San Francisco 49ers. One and done. One and done. Not a great head coach, right? Good defensive but, line But is but considered one of the yeah. best yeah, from good. defensive line coach. So there you go. Uh, make sure you register because next Monday we're going to pull the uh, winner of the year's couples membership to Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club. So you can enter at SpielmanandHooley.com. The entry is easy to navigate right there. Uh, we'll draw it, and you and your wife or your husband will be treated to the best health club, fitness facility in central Ohio. It's right on Bethel Road between the river and Sawmill Road. Easy to get to. How about this? They furnish two hours free childcare every time you go, so it's great for moms uh, who want to get in shape and uh, get a little time away from the kids, and they have great childcare with uh, you know all kinds of video games, and they engage with the young ones. So, Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club, and we thank Jim Miller and Regan Coivistu for making that available to us. Really good guys, really good club. Look at it if you don't win it uh, for your family. And, yes, you can add your kids on as a family as family members, but uh, this is over $1,000 value. Indoor pool, outdoor pool, great place to hang in the summertime. All the fitness classes, all the latest equipment. Premier at Sawmill Athletic Club, and enter at Spielman and Hooley. 
uh, com. All right. Uh, it does feel to me like this Josh McDaniels thing that, like, it started, I, it felt to me like the Browns wanted him all along, and it seems like it's stacking up. And really, for me, the guy, Joe Judge, going to the Giants, yeah. that to me was like almost confirmation that McDaniels is going to end up in Cleveland because there were conspiracy theories out there that if Bob Kraft forced Belichick to take Brady back, that Belichick might leave and you know, Belichick to the Giants would make sense. But obviously, if Belichick is calling the Giants, telling them who to hire, he's mm-hmm. not thinking about leaving New England, and Belichick would not be caught off guard by anything that happens with the New England Patriots. So doesn't it feel to you like this is, a, as they say, a fate accompli? I think Kevin Stefanski was the runner-up. Last time. To deep, he was Deep Podesta's guy. He was yeah. the analytics guy's guy. Yeah. Yeah. So I think he has a really good shot. So okay. I think it's coming down to those, those two guys, in my opinion. Very good. And um, Josh kind of fits. I think Josh is the cool story, right, coming from Canton. Mm. I mean, you want to win. Cooler story is Rick Spielman coming yeah. from Massachusetts, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> I'm in the story business, and that's a much cooler story. Well, I didn't, yeah, I think uh, the Vikings getting – I mean, Rick and Zim were – I was last week, the whole week I'm reading how Rick and Zimmer are getting fired uh, if they don't beat oh. the Saints. So I think both those guys will get a – Contract extension. Just amazing how important it is just to get wins in the playoff. I mean, because you only walk away one helper. I mean, does it not mean anything to anybody when people talk about the Vikings having the most talented roster in the league? I mean, it means something to me that I wouldn't let the guy who oversees all the personnel decisions uh, go. All right, we are a week from today going to be talking about the national championship game on Monday night. It's been a long, feels like a long time since Ohio State played Clemson Mm -hmm. and LSU played Oklahoma your early thoughts on what uh, stacks up as a high-scoring battle, I would say. I think so. Um, I think Joe Burrow, it's amazing the turn that I've made on him. I was lukewarm. And myself as well, yeah. Well, I mean, I was lukewarm on Joe uh, at the start of the year. I thought he played good last year. Didn't think he played great. I think Uh, he'd agree with that. uh, But just watching him... And just looking at his numbers week after week after week, then watching him in the big moments and him rising to those big moments, I think he's tough to beat. And he's on such a roll right now in how he's playing and where he's putting the ball. I read a statistic because, believe it or not, I am a little bit of an analytics guy, quite a bit, a lot of bit of an analytics guy, to be honest with you, Mm -hmm. on what certain things are important and Mm -hmm. what's not important. I was reading a, a, a stat on uh, Pro Football Focus about Joe Burrow. They have a college section. I don't know if you've ever watched, mm-hmm. read it or looked at it, but I think Joe was the most accurate on contested throws mm. in college football, meaning he's fitting it best in the tight windows. By the way, which is a great sign, because you and I, mm-hmm. I think, are in agreement on what the number one physical attribute for a quarterback is accuracy. Accuracy. In the NFL it is. And, yeah. and throwing guys open. And so, and Joe led the country in that by a long shot because, you know, let's face it, a lot of, I would think you agree on Justin Fields, a lot of his passes, he made some great throws, don't get me he wrong. He did. But a lot of times the guys were so superior athletically that he, they made either great catches or they were so wide open, right? No doubt. And so I, I, I think that favors LSU. Uh, I am I am not on a Trevor Lawrence bandwagon like okay. everybody else okay i uh i think Why? he's really because i i just think the turnovers 
when he threw that many, now seems to have it fixed, but that shows me that he has the potential to play against another really good athletic team like LSU. LSU was just as athletic as Ohio State, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Joe's going to outplay Trevor Lawrence. So right now, I am going to give the edge to LSU in my mind, but that good change because the one thing I know this is that Dabo Sweeney, whatever anybody wants to say about him, wins games. Why he can knows say how, something bad about you Dabo? can't you can't say anything bad what about the guy. What would you say bad about Dabo? You know, uh, I don't like know. His I, I, ways I mean, and, you know, he's not the only uh, coach some, in the world to play no, up the us no, against the world. No, thing. I mean, Ryan Day did that too. Yeah, I know. I get that. Yeah. I, I get it. I like Dabo. I like Dabo a lot. The thing I I, I guess I, I phrased it wrong. The thing that um never gets talked about with Dabo Sweeney, or at least I don't I don't pay great attention to college football anymore, but the thing that impresses me most, how's that? The thing that impresses me most about Dabo Sweeney is that his teams rise to the occasion for big games and he has them ready to play and he has them playing at their best when it means the most. And that's why Clemson is a team that uh, uh, it's going to be tough to beat in a national championship game. So I still like LSU. And the other thing I hang my hat on is, is and I said this before Clemson played Ohio State, champions die hard, man. You they better do. cut off the head or they're going to keep coming. I uh, look at Dabo, and I just think it's remarkable, much in the way that I used to talk about Barry Alvarez at Wisconsin, to take a school and build them into something they never were. And I know Clemson won a title in like 81 or something, but yeah. there, there's a reason why the term Clemsoning was yeah. a derisive term. It was a, you're a choking, you know, they're going to choke. They almost you. had a Clemsoning against North Carolina this year. They almost did. They had one against Pitt a few years ago. and But they, I mean, at the time where the Alabama monster was its fiercest, he's built Clemson into the big dog in college football. Now, I mean, he's won two titles and Bama's won two in the playoff era and had Ohio State won this year. You know, Ohio State would have had two. So you could say they're all on equal footing. Clemson feels to me like they've just gotten a notch above Alabama. And, I mean, they've beaten Ohio State three times in the last, what, five years, six years? So it's hard to say they're not above, a bit above. And it's just a bit, but it's a bit above Ohio State. And, yes, I acknowledge Ohio State, you know, looked like the better team that night. They didn't win the game, which goes to your point of champions die hard. Let me say this in defense of the right-handed Ronnie Bass, uh, Trevor Lawrence, sunshine from Remember yes. the Titans. He, he, does, he has not thrown an interception in his last seven games. Correct. Clemson quarterbacks throw a lot of interceptions because they believe in putting the ball up there and letting their receivers Better. go make a play on yeah. it. I remember writing about when Ohio State played Clemson in the 2016 playoffs, boy, Deshaun Watson throws a lot of interceptions. And while that game ended 31-0 Clemson, he threw two early in that game. Yeah. So he throws it up. They throw it up, and they let, in this case, T. Higgins and Justin Ross uh, go make plays on it. So I think they're not afraid to challenge. There were some throws against Ohio State that night where I thought, what is he doing? Like, that's going to get picked. Uh, So... That's Plus he just can run the ball what, too. That's just kind of what they do. Yeah. I mean, he's he he's a really, really good athlete. I think I have one thing in Clemson's favor, and I have one thing in LSU's favor. What's that? In LSU's favor, I have that I don't think Clemson's defense is very good up front. 
And I think uh, I agree with you. Uh, on that. Clyde Edwards Hilaire could have a, a big night. Who's the running ball. back from LSU that I love? I don't even know his little, name. The little guy, yeah, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Does he run angry or he what? He uh, runs angry. <laughs> He's so he good. He reminds me of Josh Jacobs from Alabama. Yes. And the thing I have in Clemson's favor is there's a lot to be said for having been through this format of Absolutely. preparing your team for a playoff game. This is what their fourth. This is their fifth yeah. in a row, but it's, it's the fourth time getting to the championship game. All this is new for Orgeron yeah. and all his guys. It's all new for I them. I agree with that, Bruce. I, so I think there's an edge for both. It's great to have the better players and the better athletes, but you know they only do what the coaches tell them to do. Yeah, I agree. I, I think it's, that's why it's going to be a, hopefully a great game. Yeah, I hope so too. I, I, I can't game. see why we won't have a great game because you have – Really good players on, on both sides and athletes. You know, I knew. I mean, we kind of knew that Oklahoma had no shot against absolutely LSU. Right. I mean, it was everybody. I want Oklahoma. No, I want Oklahoma. No, I want Oklahoma, because yeah. they knew that was a ticket. A so that's another thing um, that uh, uh, LSU is going to have to get used to because they just so dominated Oklahoma on up front on both sides of the ball. Even though Clemson's defensive line uh, isn't as good as it could be, they're much better than Oklahoma's front seven. Much better. Linebackers and all that. So, And don't underestimate uh, Venables, Brent Venables, the mm -hmm. defensive coordinator. Uh, he is tremendous at game planning, and he's very aggressive. So he's going to not be afraid to come after Joe Burrow. And and so it's 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 going to be a That's great risky. game. <laughs> That's yeah. risky. And I I just uh, I want you know I'm kind of rooting for LSU because like every every other Ohioan I think we want Joe Burrow mm. to cap this magical year that he's had, which is it's benefited not only Joe and his family, but the city of Athens. Yes. And the county of Athens and mm -hmm. and Vinton County and all that that whole area down there has benefited from the success of Joe Burrow. So I just hope it continues for him. And I am so concerned that the Bengals, and I wouldn't have said this 12 weeks ago because I, I was on the fence. And you were on the fence too because too. we're not going to replace Andy Dalton with Andy Dalton, yeah, right? that's one of my – Horrible epitaph. Well, we don't know because he still has to come here and play, but everything points in the right direction. And if we're going to go by Urban Meyer, what it takes to be a top quarterback, all the intangibles, mm -hmm. then, by the way, at number five or six, can he throw the ball? Mm. And that Joe Burrow is your guy, and, and it's just been fun to see. So I hope the Bengals take them, but I got a feeling that it – no, no, they're going to take it. Oh, He's yeah. an Ohio kid. What, what if they He's don't? He's got Ohio State what if ties. They don't? No, what they're if, taking it. What if they don't? Some I things mean, in life they I can't mean, mess like, up. If they don't, can you just do 15 minutes on your uh, oh. to start to show um, how the Bengals screwed up? Yes. Well, you, I mean, because I know you'll have a, yes. a whole book written yes. on why the Bengals. What are you doing? I'll tell you this. Uh, this is going to be a. This will be a bold statement. I think Joe Burrow is a more surefire NFL player than Chase Young. That is bold only because, and I know you're not saying that that because you don't think Chase Young is going to have a great career. I think career. they're both going to have, I think they're both going to have great careers, but I just, the last three games with Chase, I wonder about 
he will adjust. I just don't know how long it will take him to adjust to what NFL teams will do with him. Well, and first he of all, he has to add another element to his he will. arsenal. And I, I agree, yeah. he will add another element to his arsenal. He's too good an athlete. I believe he has a hunger to be great. But I, I just think that uh, I'll stick with all my statements. I, 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 I will not say that only because of this reason. It has nothing to do with Joe Burrow or anything to do with Chase Young. It's the nature of the quarterback position, mm-hmm. which you know, yeah. it's it's just you brutal. need a lot of help there. It's defensive brutal. end. You yeah. can be great on a bad team. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. They both got saddled with tough organizations to excel in. I wouldn't say that Washington or Cincinnati has proven they can surround you with. Well, we'll see. I think Washington. Function. I think the Redskins. Got it right with the hire of Ron Rivera. I think Ron yeah. is a good leader, and and we'll see how they proceed forward. Uh, Dwayne Jack Del Haskins. Rio is defensive coordinator yeah. too. That's that's good for Chase Young. Well, Jack's defense has always been pretty pretty good, and there's some good young players, and he can learn from a a guy that's been a steady pass rusher in Washington's getting a little long in the tooth now. Ryan Kerrigan from Ryan Purdue. Kerrigan. Oh, you don't have to tell Ohio State fans about Ryan. Okay, Kerrigan. they remember Ryan Kerrigan. <laughs> He's Ooh. a good player from one of the innumerable losses and at Purdue. That I one think, was all on Ryan Kerrigan. And I do believe that. You know, because of Chase Motor and his length, that it's really going to be hard for him not to succeed because he's such a good athlete and he's a hard worker and he wants to be great. And he's such he's a he's a much better athlete than what Vernon Golston was. Mm-hmm. Hard worker now, wants to be great. Well, I mean, I'm I'm not saying Vernon was a great college player mm-hmm. and Vernon uh, ran fast. But Chase is a little bit more fluid, I think, in his hips and movements. And and, and uh, the biggest suggestion I could get with Chase would get with the Bosa boys during the offseason and learn hand-to-hand combat uh, inside. Mm-hmm. And, and hand-to-hand combat references when you are defeating an offensive lineman, not only with your speed or your moves or your body shake or whatever it may be, but also your hands. It's so important to get the hands of an offensive lineman in a bad position. Then you make your speed move around the corner. Nobody better, nobody does it better than Nick or Joey. I was asked yesterday, and I'm asked this quite a bit, who's better, Nick or Joey? Yeah. You know what my answer is? Whoever I, I see play, whoever I see play last. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's who my what my answer that's is. A great answer. That's it a is great answer. because I I did both of them yeah. this year, and I did Nick. And I said, oh, my gosh, he's better than Joey. Then I did the Chargers-Bears game in Chicago, and I think Joey had two sacks. And you I said, said Joey basically took that game over. And he I, dominated I, the I game said, from a defensive end. I said, how could I ever say Nick Bosa is better than his older brother Joey Bosa? <laughs> oh, my gosh. Then, then I watched Nick because I was watching a, a game in preparation for one of my games later on. I said, well, yeah, he is better than Joey. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's, what, I mean – I, I just think I, I I did an interview on San Francisco radio yesterday because uh, I know the 49ers pretty well and, and they uh, this group knows uh, my connection with the Vikings so they asked me to break it down and then they started asking me about Nick and they asked me that question on the mm-hmm. air and I just gave them that exact answer so we'll preview the uh, divisional uh, playoffs here coming up on Friday, on Friday so I'm looking forward to that yes we will uh, the Bosa brothers, Chase Young, <laughs> Buckeyes uh, defensive ends, multi-talented. You know uh, the names Zach Harrison and Tyreek Smith. You may not know Cade Stover, but he's going to be one of them coming on. Linebacker, defensive end, Mr. Football. 
That means Stover Farms Custom Meats is a name you should know for the best protein, hormone-free, non-GMO-free, grass-fed Angus beef. And they also have chicken and pork that is uh, hormone-free, non-GMO. Stover Farms Custom Meats open Thursday, Friday, Saturday, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell. Tell them you are a Spielman and Hooley listener, and they'll give you a special discount or perhaps a free pound of hamburger for every pound you buy. Uh, friends of mine have taken advantage of that offer, and they love Stover Farms Custom Meats, as does the Hooley family. So check them out online, StoverFarmsCustomMeats.com, 4000 Presidential Parkway in Powell, and uh, keep your eye on young Cade Stover as he will be a factor for the Buckeyes next season. Uh, you were talking about hand-to-hand combat. Caleb Wesson did a lot of the punching and the boxing and stuff like that to lose all the weight that he lost and get to be better in the low post. And uh, last night's game against Maryland was a disappointment, 67-55, I think it was. Yeah. Uh, three straight games now. The offense has been non-existent, 59 against West Virginia, 57 against uh, Wisconsin, 55 against Maryland. It's trending in the wrong direction. Nobody can make a shot. They were horrible last night from three-point range. Three like, for 27 or four? Four of, four of 25 or four of something. They had an 8 nothing lead and lost by 12. So. Shot 31%. Oh, it's brutal. Brutal, brutal. I watched some of it. It's just uh, they're in a funk. Yeah, their guards I, I, are really they, struggling. Yeah, uh, well, you know, they're a victim of their own success a little yeah. bit, and I don't think it's a bad thing. I I, I do think they're 11-4. and four. Um, I am starting to get into it. And I do think this, Bruce, and we talked about this on the way in this morning, that you know, it's thank goodness it's not like college football, right? There are peaks and valleys, mm-hmm. and this team potentially can be really good. Everybody knows that. They know that. We've seen it. I think um, mentally they're not a very strong team right now. Agreed. And that's a big deal. I think when I watched last night, and one thing that stood out to me was, and I could be wrong on this because I look for just little things besides the obvious, is the defensive intensity of Maryland could not be matched. I mean, they, their Maryland is not wasn't shooting lights out or anything like that, but their intensity on defense and the effort level that they played with on defense that wasn't. I get all the offensive issues, but what's the thing about basketball that I know that defense and intensity and playing hard and getting on the floor and all those things covers up a lot of warts on offense, does does it not? Or it creates opportunities for you. Absolutely. And Ohio State's not – right now you hit it. They're not mentally tough enough to persevere through tough defense to go get a good shot. It's like taking a three is pretty easy. They're going to give you the space to take those threes, particularly if you're not making them. And so it was like, okay, well, we can get this shot, so we'll take this shot. Their point guards weren't penetrating and weren't creating for others. DJ Carton did a decent job creating for himself. He still is, I think, too deferential. Like he – there are times I think, DJ, take the basket and shoot. Yeah, it's okay. And, uh, you know, you hit it exactly. You sound like Chris Holtman. Uh, oh, when, I do. Uh, the I head, didn't hear this. So. Head coach of the Buckeyes talking about what's going on with his team right now. The the mental grind and the, and the mental toll that league, really, really high-level leagues take on you, there's a cumulative effect of that. And uh, we got to be a resilient bunch. I think if you're going to weather those, you got to be a resilient bunch. Well, and that's your sure job. Yeah. Well, that's his job to make it him is. a resilient bunch. He, I'll say this for him. Um, I've been around him some. The last couple days have not been great days in the life of Chris Holtman. He looked after the Wisconsin game. He was just so upset 
with his teams that aspect that tough. he knows that's his yeah. job to make him a tough team and it i think nothing few things bother a coach more when they prize toughness than when they fail to see it in their team when they need it because it feels like a personal failure and he's like i know it's in there he just he's trying he's searching for ways to get it out and i'm sure he's going <clears throat> through his mental rolodex of things he's done before at gardner webb and butler and all that trying to get it out of him and at this point in time, I think they're a young team, like you said. They're hitting this wall, and they he has to figure out a way to get them to push through that wall. Yeah. Well, they ha- oh, they're also responsible for it. And the, other, the other thing that they're going to need if they're going to succeed in the Big Ten and, and get on a run in March is you got to get a little bit of production off the bench. I think I'm— I don't know if Luther Muhammad made a shot last night or not. No, and zero for six. So All there's a, there's a starter that was zero for six, right? And there, I think he had a total of four points, three or four points off the bench last night. It's not going to get it done. Not not in the Big Ten and not in the tournament. It just not you know. It seemed early in the year like they had so many guys and they were not going to have a problem finding guys who could contribute. It's really interesting how delicate the balance is. Kyle Young's appendectomy takes him off the floor. And, look, I wouldn't list Kyle Young as one of their top five gifted uh, players offensively. No, but I would list him as a guy that's uh, – All the things we've been talking yeah, about. Toughness. How important a, he is to that team. Here's the thing with top Kyle Young. When things aren't going well offensively, if you would go back and watch the tape of Ohio State when they're beating Kentucky, when they're beating Villanova, when they're beating – He'll make a hustle play, a toughness play. He'll get a rebound, he'll score, he'll put it back, or he'll he'll get it and catch a pass and convert a pass that other guys on a team, it goes out of bounds off them. He's got really good hands. He sees the tight game end. well. Yeah, tight end. It's like, I'm sorry. <laughs> but he he just he's a the phrase is a glue guy. He galvanizes them and yeah. then he fill and he gets rebounds, so you get second shot opportunities. He does how all the cliches, he, he does all the little things. Well, I would think he could play Saturday at Indiana. I mean, an appendectomy, a week, 10 days. I don't know. I didn't, I, I've had one. They're no big deal. But uh, uh, but he takes shots inside and stuff isn't like a big that. Deal? He takes shots inside, yeah. elbows and stuff like that. So you got to pad the area and all that. So, you know. Yes, Kyle Young, be back Saturday for the noon start at Indiana. Oh, oh, are you going? I am not going. But are you... I'll be here. Are you home. covering? Uh, I'll be acting like you do do during Vikings games. <laughs> You'll be on the treadmill for three, three and a half no, straight I have hours? To, I have to write it, so I won't be on the treadmill. <laughs> I might have to fix up a desk and write it and walk at the same time. You should get one of those, by you the should. way. Yeah. I uh, felt bad Saturday for Indiana losing big to Maryland. I felt why? Real, because I only was able to watch the last five oh. minutes. <laughs> uh, you, I wish I could have seen the whole 40 minutes. I, you know what? I don't want Ohio, I want Ohio State to win the Big Ten. <laughs> I want Ohio State to advance into the tournament as far as they can go if they get there. Uh, if I, they get there. What are you talking about? Well, okay, you're telling me that team that played last night. Uh, no, not, not that team, no. Okay. I just, what if I want Indiana to win on Saturday? No, For my don't. selfish reasons. Can you imagine how blasphemous you would consider it if I said <laughs> that about an Ohio State football game? <laughs> No, because it's <laughs> one game in basketball. It doesn't mean anything. That's true. That's true. Uh, we said we'd reflect on Tua's decision. Yes. The, uh, quarterback, Tua Tungablo. First of all, our Chris Holtman comment brought to you by Flashes of Fun. 
Uh, it's your picture-perfect comment of the day. Flashes of fun will take all your senior pictures. Follow them on Instagram if you'd like to see. Well, you see what these flashes of fun people can do. Follow them on Instagram. Uh, put a picture up of a um, high school golfer yesterday. Uh, it's a great way to celebrate your student-athlete's uh, season. You know, and you don't have to be an all-league player, an all-state player, anything like that. A nice portrait of your son or daughter uh, at any level, Flashes of Fun can make that happen, and a great uh, memory for them. Book online, flashesofun.com. Save $50. Tua. He, I was surprised. He's coming. He's really? going to the NFL. A little bit surprised, yeah. Oh, I wasn't at all. I, I'd said early on, and you said, well, you're crazy, that, you know, the the I just kind of thought with his whole family there in Tuscaloosa and a bet on himself that maybe he could restore his health and be the number one overall pick next year. Uh, that he might come back. But next year he'll be battling Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields, mm-hmm. and, you know, and you can always get injured again and all that. So I get it. I just uh, – I'll miss Tua in college football. I know he's a great player. Football. What he did uh, was one of the all-time great performances in that national championship yeah. game. And what Nick Saban did to pull <sighs> Jalen Hurts and put the freshman quarterback in to win a national championship, I mean – it's, it's unbelievable. A guy who'd won you one national championship and gotten you to the second national and championship. And you take him out at halftime. You take him out at halftime, and you put in essentially a guy who'd gotten the snaps of a Chris Chuganoff. Yeah. He got an all mop-up duty snaps, but he had really good bowl practices. Now, I suppose there'll be people who will say, well, you had no choice. You weren't going to win the game with Hurts, so you might as well roll with the other kid. He not only put him in, he stuck with him after. He didn't exactly start, like, on fire. He threw a really bad interception, and they stuck with him. And uh, I'm a little sad that that's the only one he got because I just thought, you know, he was such a great player, and Clemson just dusted him last year. And then this year he never got the chance to. Well, here's the thing. Alabama, you know, I know people didn't want Alabama in the playoff. Come on now. In hindsight, would Alabama have been a much better number four team with a healthy Tua than Oklahoma? Oklahoma? You're exactly right. Or Oregon with Justin Herbert if they hadn't Uh, hadn't pratfalled against uh, Oklahoma. They would have been better than Oklahoma. That's the only argument. I I think, yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think the Big 12 took a big hit on that. Just to go back to Tua, I think he has to come out because – if we look at history, history is going to tell us he's going to get hurt again next year, right? He's already got the can he stay healthy label on him. Fortunately for Tua, I do believe his talent trumps that. The other good thing for Tua is there's two reasons that he can come out now. One, he's going to be a first-round pick. He'll be the second quarterback taken this year, uh, and it might benefit him where it might he might end up at a place, Bruce, uh, that is a better team, and that will uh, he may not have to f- be forced to play right away. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that people discount, and I don't think players discount this, is the you know the present day value of money that he's going to get. But I think he's right because if I'm two and I'm looking at this and I'm saying, look, I haven't stayed healthy. I've had a nasty uh, hip injury. I have had ankle problems. If I'm still a number one pick, I got to get while the getting's good, to be honest with you. Because if I get hurt again next year, which history tells me that I will, then my stock is only going to drop because teams aren't going to be able to to trust me. 
Where did, um, where's the draft have him Bengals going? Bengals have the number one pick. They're going to take Joe Burrow, then Chase Young to the Redskins. The third pick, you say, is Jeff Okuda to the Lions. Yeah, they don't right replace now. Matt Stafford with uh, Tua? No. Okay. Then uh, four is the Giants. They just drafted Daniel Jones, so they don't need him. Dolphins are five, and the Dolphins, everybody thought at the beginning of the year, were tanking for Tua. So maybe they'll get Tua at five. But, but, remember but then after that, do you that, remember how angry I got when I said when I thought people said the Miami Dolphins were tanking? Yeah, and they were not. You win at New England the last week of the season. I, when, and New England has a bye. Yeah, New England has a bye. Playoff win. on the line. They're playing everybody, yeah. And he can go learn for a year under Ryan Fitzpatrick. Didn't the Dolphins win their last two? I think they did. Lost, yeah. They, uh, they ended then, up, but other teams in the top ten that need quarterbacks, Chargers. Yeah, Chargers would Panthers. be a good fit for them. Yes, I think. Panthers need a quarterback. Matt Rule maybe wants to Where's Cam Newton going? I don't know, but I'm just saying. There's a guy that's going to be fun to watch in college, Isaiah Simmons. Uh, in, in the pros, you mean? Yeah. Uh, that's, oh, he's fun to watch in college, too. I yeah, mean, his is. numbers are crazy. Plus, he's playing against And him. he can play everywhere. He's the – he's. I, I'll tell you, <sighs> that I would not be wow. surprised if the Lions, the way Matt Patricia thinks, would take Isaiah yeah, Simmons. Yeah. Because he loves that type of player. That's what I'm saying. Jeff Okuda, the Browns, don't knock it. Could two happen. Two Buckeye corners up there. Two Buckeye corners, yes. Uh, and the Jaguars, I mean, they got Gardner Minshew, but if two is there at nine with the Jags. Oh, yeah. Gardner Minshew? Would they pass on uh, Tua for Gardner no. Minshew? No. I didn't think so either. <laughs> what are you saying? I Gardner think had a pretty good rookie year for. I know. think somebody's going to trade up. I don't know who yet. I have to look at this draft. Who, mm-hmm. the, who they have the Browns taken? Uh, Austin, Jackson, Austin Jackson, offensive tackle. Tackle USC. USC, yeah. All right. They need offensive linemen. They do. Which we get the best, pointed out, I think, numerous times. If they, uh, I mean, at 10, if they get the best offensive lineman in the draft, you should get a guy who's pretty good. So we'll see. Uh, what's on your mind today, sir, as we transition into the uh, faith portion of the podcast? I have uh, something I'll start with while you look up what you have. Uh, a friend of mine has a uh, is on the cusp of uh, a very interesting job opportunity, and so I told him I would pray for him. And so I'll just say this: um, when you tell somebody you'll pray for him, tell them specifically what you'll pray for. I told him I'd pray for him to um, reach uh, a united accord with his wife on the decision that they make, whether to take the job and move or not. Uh, they have a medical situation that they want to make sure is tidied up and, you know, they don't want that to get worse where they go. So I prayed that they get discernment on that. Um, and I prayed that their decision would be one that they'd both be uh, clear on, that it'd be a clear decision to them, and that they would have be spared any second guessing. Uh, so I specifically gave him three things that I'd pray for. Uh I'm going to, I thought today, you know, I should share what I'm praying for so that if it happens, it would be a testament to uh, what God's doing in my life. So I'm praying for, I'm I'm networking with some people and we have some um, ideas about uh, working with coaches to help further character development in youth, youth sports, and whether that could be, you know, kids. 10 to 15 years old, or it can be high school kids. We have some things in the leadership realm that we think uh, could be helpful to people, and we're trying to figure out a system to put that in place. So I'm praying for a big idea, the insight to formalize that and put a plan in place, the um, motivation to pursue it, the acumen to accomplish it, and the humility to give God the 
credit for it if it happens. Those are the four things I'm praying for there. How close are you to making it happen? We're networking now to gain information from people because I think if you're going to devise a system, you want to know what people's needs are. Mm-hmm. So we're trying to network with people. And if you're a, an influential person in the youth sports realm, if you're over a league or even if you just like to uh, exchange ideas via email, uh, that would be great. Podcast at gmail.com. I'd love to network with you on that. What are your needs? We'd like to know that. And uh, that'll help us formulate a system that we can offer aid and assistance to people. Well, very good. Uh, I will remember that in prayer for you. Thank you. So I was thinking about this uh, because of our position, the position of my brother, right? So one of the things that's a bad habit that I have doing is the Vikings lose. I'll go on Twitter and search Rick's name and just see Mm. how awful he is and what an idiot and somebody should destroy him and take his life and he's ruined a Minnesota Viking franchise. Or after one of my games, um, I've kind of gotten in the habit of not doing this. Um, going to see, okay, you called a great game, you're mm-hmm. awful, you suck, whatever, yeah, right? right? I, and so it's, but our, our, our world that we live in, and I know that every parent says this or every person says, you know, here, this world we live in now, everything is, you're being judged for everything on how you look, how you talk, everything. And especially even with, from my kids from 25 down to uh, 17, there's six six of them. You have daughters, right? Mm-hmm. It's especially true for for girls because I do think boys kind of uh, let some certain things just roll off them like they don't even hear it. Mm-hmm. So, and Paul talked about this, right? The Apostle Paul. Let not the opinions of man interfere with the directions given to you by God. And so that fits right into what you were talking about and what you're, you hope to accomplish and you know, hope to get rolling here as far as the leadership thing goes with sports and new sports and providing that direction in leadership. And some people might think, well, that's a dumb idea. But, you know, some people think, you know, a lot of things are dumb ideas. And I just want to encourage everybody out there that if there's something that is on your heart or, or on your mind or something that you think about or that you've prayed about or that you really meditate on and, and figure out, you know, is this where I'm supposed to be doing? Is this what God has for me? Is this the direction that I want to go? And you feel convicted that it is, mm-hmm. and everybody telling you that it isn't, but there's such a strong conviction uh, in a responsible way, pursue that. And that's important, too. There's a responsibility that you also have to live to that we're called to be mm-hmm. responsible for. So even though everybody might be down on something or down on an idea or, or uh, don't worry about the opinions of man. If you feel that it stands up to the test of God and, and, is, and is, is right and righteous in God's eyes, then stick with it because that's who you're, you have to answer to. You do not have to answer to man. And again, I want to also emphasize that uh, and do it responsibly. Yeah, so. that's, the, that's the key. I think we can get caught up in shaping our own wants and desires to what 
That's it's real. This is a really important topic yeah. right here. Go ahead. We'll I, say. I'm gonna see if you. I mean, I really want this, so I'm gonna shape it in a with some with like a spiritual chisel. Yeah, so, you're right. Right. So you're they're right. like, ah, see, I can defend this on spiritual grounds. You know, in your heart, whether you're doing that or not, whether it's genuine. And you mentioned the Apostle Paul. There's a really interesting uh, series of chapters in the Bible where Paul is talking with the brothers in the faith, and he voices to them, I want to go to Rome. I want to go to Rome, and I want to talk to the Roman believers. And they're like, no, don't go to Rome, Paul. Bad things are ahead of you in Rome. It's really bad. And these are spiritual people. These would be like people that, like like Chris is to me. This would be somebody who's a, a spiritual uh, uh, advisor, somebody I give weight to his opinion on. And that has merit. That has a lot of merit, running things by other men, other people in your life who you give great weight to their advice because you know they approach things in a godly fashion. And those were those kinds of guys for Paul. But in that case, in that case, and I think that's what Chris is talking about here, in some cases, you feel it so strong, so genuinely from God. Paul said, no, I'm going. And no, I don't care what the consequences are. I feel a burden to go to Rome. He went to Rome, and you can say, well, he got thrown in prison, so his buddies were right. He got thrown in prison, but he got to go before King Festus. He got to talk to another king. He got to talk to the king's wife. And there's a place at the end of Philippians where Paul says, pray for all the saints, particularly those in Caesar's household. Now, if you know anything about Roman culture, you know Caesar's household was not exactly the bastion of Christian behavior. Yeah. <laughs> But if there were saints in Caesar's household, yeah. how do you think they got there? They got there because Paul was in a Roman prison, and he kept doing what he was going to do. He didn't let the fact that, oh, I'm in prison. I must have been wrong. No. I know God told me to go to Rome. I'm going. Now I'm in Rome. Okay, these are the people he told me to minister to, the jailer. He's chained to me. He can't go anywhere. Yeah. I got a captive audience. I'm going to tell him all about Jesus. Do you, so, ever, do you ever picture in your mind like oh, that jailer's that jailer, like, enough. Oh, oh, enough, Paul. Enough, dude. I, mean, I heard I, it yesterday. I, I, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. Please, <laughs> for the love of God, stop. But I mean, that's I. I agree with you. It is hard because boy, we can we can take that. We spiritual can shape it chisel, how we want it. Shape it how we want it. So, but I think you know in your heart. Yeah, I, I think you do know in your heart, and I think um, usually every decision that I've made, I mean. Uh, some people call it instinct, right, or some premonition, or whatever you want to call it. Leading I, I, of the spirit. I. Well, that's my point. Yeah. I think you you do know it in your heart, but when you make those types of decisions, you also have a responsibility. If you are in a caretaking position, mm -hmm. that you know you also have to make that decision without. Uh, I think without <laughs> sacrificing. Everything, because I've known people that said, "Well, God told me to do this," and they lost everything. And well, I would say in that I, situation, if that's why I mean responsibly. Yes, yeah, if, if God, God really did tell you to do it, which I, I don't know if He did or didn't, but if He really I don't did, know, yeah, He may reveal something through the consequences of that. Yeah, that He could not have gotten through to you without the consequences yeah. of that. I think so many times, you know, like, for instance, 
like on buying this truck. We bought this truck, and it's not the greatest time for us financially. And so, you know, we prayed about it, and we I let it sit there for four days. My wife's dad was like, shall I go buy it? It was in Arizona. And I'm like, no, don't go buy it. If it's there when we get there, then we'll go look at it. So we went and looked at it, and we waited a day, and then we went and looked at it. You know, we, we went to lunch, and I was like, it's still there. I <laughs> Was now, it on your mind? Like, I, I was really genuinely like one way or the other. And I okay. said to Sherry, I said, you know our finances. You're the one who pays the bills. You're the CPA in the family. If you think it's a good thing for us to do, if you think it's a, a good stewardship decision, then I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. But I said, whatever we do, we're not looking back. Mm-hmm. If we get next week, we get hit with a big bill. Our roof blows off. and We got to replace the roof. Oh, I wish I hadn't spent the money. I'm like, we're not doing that. We're going forward in faith with a yes or a no. Yeah. If it's a no, then okay, we're going to fly home and we'll deal with not having a truck anymore and we'll just deal with it. So I think a lot of times the what God is looking for in my life, I can only speak for me, is he's looking for how I handle the decision I try to make prayerfully through him. Right. Not necessarily... Well, you bought the truck, you dope. I didn't want you to buy the truck, so I'm going to make the brakes go out on the truck. And I don't think that's how it works. I really don't think that's how it works. I think he's like, okay, you made the decision prayerfully. Really wasn't what I wanted for you, but okay, I understand why you did it, and we're going to move it's forward. It's interesting that you say that because I'm reflecting back on something that happened uh, two or three years ago. I bought a car that I normally wouldn't buy, but I thought, I want it. I mean, I deserve it. And I I thought I would be fulfilled. Mm. And I'm not a big car guy, but I, you know, I, I've always, I never really drove a nice car. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, just hasn't been a big deal to me. I thought, what would it would be like to drive a nice car. Um, and I paid a pretty good price for it, and I, I liked it. But when I was driving it, I kind of felt like, this, why did I do this? And I, I kept talking myself into why mm-hmm. I like it. Then we had a uh, big expense out of nowhere mm-hmm. come and hit. And I needed to immediately sell the car to cover that big expense. Mm-hmm. And I did. And I thought, now I discerned, because when I bought it, I thought I wanted it. I, I thought, and even, I, I'm somewhat spiritually mature but even at that age or at age of spiritual maturity, I still made a decision based on what I thought would make me feel good. Well, that was the only thing that could cover that expense at that moment mm-hmm. in time. And so I immediately sold the car, haven't missed it, and I it wasn't fulfilling. Yeah. So I, it's kind of along the lines of your story. I'm not saying God took that car away from me, but it just made me think that, I probably prayerfully didn't go con- make this consideration on this purchase, mm-hmm. you know. Then when I got it, I felt almost, and I shouldn't feel this way, but I did. I'm not guilty, but like, what am I doing? This is not maybe me. just not at peace. Yeah, just yeah, just I wasn't a good steward with this. This doesn't make sense to do this at this point in time, even though I talked myself in mm-hmm. that it did make sense. Is that? Does yeah, that make what, any sense? Yeah, to that's you? what we're talking about with like shaping it with our own spiritual. Yeah, chisel. that's I did. I actually did use the. I fit it into the the verses that I've found yeah, <laughs> would work for me. I, I I conveniently ignored the ones that say hey, you might want to steer away from that right now. So, hey, uh, I think one thing you and I have tried to be honest about is um, 
we don't claim to have it perfect. No. And we, <laughs> and we, uh, it's the the effort we put into it, I think, is what God uh, is pleased by. Yeah. Seek him. I how, hope, many, you know, yeah. how many times is the word seek used? Seek, seek, seek. He doesn't always say, you've got to hit the target, brother. If you don't hit the target, I'm done with you. He yeah. doesn't say that. He well, says seek. Definition of sin is an archery term on that missed the target, by the way. Mm. And so you're not always going to uh, hit the target. So, But the thing is, we have a God that's, uh, how many times does he forgive you, Bruce? 70 times seven. 70 times 7. Which is innumerable. infinite. Yep. Innumerable. Fun conversation. Uh, we do not rehearse these, but it's interesting how they come together when yeah. we talk about stuff. I miss my car. <laughs> <laughs> Just and that's okay, too. Just kidding. That's okay, too. That's okay, too. All right, everybody, have a great day. We'll be back on Friday. Spielman Hooley, We Tackle Live podcast. Remember, enter the uh, free couples membership to Premier at Salmo Athletic Club. Go to SpielmanandHooley.com. Have a great day.